Welcome to Harvest Beyond Sunday, a podcast that seeks to inform and equip the members of Harvest Church, as well as celebrate what God is doing in and through our body. Okay, Harvest Church, we're back with another episode. We got the the trio of Wes, Sonia, and Noah. So welcome to the Harvest Beyond Sunday podcast. We're continuing uh, this journey through every good endeavor, and today is chapter ten: a new conception of work, where we're going to be discussing something called common grace, uh, among other topics. But common grace may be new to you, so. First of all, Sonia, Noah, how are y'all doing today? I'm just glad we have a job after uh, the last episode. <laughs> well, it's true. I think the only person in danger of losing their job was probably me. Well, I think we were accessories to the crime. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like Adam. He didn't stop Eve from mm-hmm. doing the fruit. Y'all didn't. Yeah, we didn't stood st- by stop and me watched. From Idolizing Aerosmith. I feel sure Albert Moeller probably copied some of our podcast yeah. uh, content from yeah. last week. I was going to say, so. I mean, we pretty much have the same number of listeners, I'm pretty sure. I think so. Yeah. Let's hope he wasn't using us as an example of a non-biblical worldview. <laughs> let's let's hope that wasn't what the episode was about. So, But uh, anyway, all right, we love having fun on here. So... Opening verse for this chapter. It's a long one. Might take you many weeks to memorize. Ecclesiastes nine ten. Whatever you do, do well. I think I got it. You think you got it? Yeah. Recite it back without looking. Whatever you do, do well. All right. If it's worth doing, do it well. Do it well. That's That's right. Good. I like that. Wonder what version that's from. The, the Sonia Watkins mm-hmm. version. Mm-hmm. SW. He begins this chapter, <laughs> the SW version. SWV. That was a band. Speaking of bands in the 90s, Sisters with Voices. SWV. Here we go. Here go. we go. Okay. <laughs> if we didn't lose it, then mm-hmm. then we for sure are on the road. Mm-hmm. All right. My mind. It's lovely. He begins the book, uh, this chapter, not the book, with everyone participates in God's work. And basically, he's going to drive towards this idea of common grace, which we can define in a minute. But he he talks about how other communities uh, and groups of people around the world do good things and contribute to society, even if they're not operating from a biblical world view. And we, as long as they're not opposing a biblical worldview. We can celebrate this, and we can recognize the work that they're doing. But really what we want to maybe understand in this episode is why is that? Why is it this that people who don't operate from a biblical worldview aren't in a saving relationship with Jesus Christ? Why do they do good things, and how is this even possible? Yeah, I think it goes back to... Um just the sheer fact they are image bearers of God, mm-hmm. um, that they bear God's image. They may not have a saving relationship with him, but, um, you know, by God's grace, they have been given certain talents and skills as Tim Keller talks about that are employed for their work in the world. 
Yeah, so as believers, uh, we benefit from non-believers' work. I mean, as image bearers, they have skills and talents and motives that that they are excelling at their jobs and innovation, and we can use those to further the cause of the gospel as well, and to to make our lives easier in in our endeavors. Yeah, a trap that we can fall into as believers is that any work that is not done by a believer or that is not overtly, or not even overtly, but it's specifically advancing the gospel or where we are bombastically trumpeting, you know, Jesus in the workplace or whatever, that that anything that's not doing that is, you know, not good work or not quality work or not world advancing work. And basically when we understand that we're all image bearers and we all exhibit this level of common grace from God, meaning we, we are his image bearers if you said it and I just said it, but we also know how to love. We all know how to create. We all kind of have a conscience of a sense of right and wrong. And sometimes that gets jaded, but we all know how to really, we can treat people with compassion and empathy and love. Everyone can do that. So we have this level of common grace. And so we can fall into a trap as Christians and thinking that, you know, secular work or work uh, by non-believers is meaningless or useless. And it's just simply not true. Yeah. And if we're going to look for a distinction between the two, between the work done by a non-believer and the work done by a believer, I love a point that Tim Keller makes on page 187. A lot of it boils down to the difference in motive. Um, you know, and that difference in motive can produce a different quality, a different spirit. Uh, it can produce an honesty with which the believer goes about his or her work that may be absent. Um, in a non-believer's work, but um, to kind of quote it directly, Tim Keller says, all Christians work with radically different inner motives than those who don't believe. And this can certainly make a difference in the quality, spirit, and honesty with which a believer labors. But this is the point I love. But that does not mean that a Christian will build an airplane engine differently from a non-Christian. So the, the product, the excellent product may look the same, but what we're looking at uh, is really the difference in, in heart, the posture of the heart, purpose of the work. So in reality, Christians above anybody else should place a high value on all human work done by all people, even if it doesn't match up with our belief system or our core values. We value all work with all people. Yeah, and that kind of goes back to a previous chapter. I can't remember which one, but uh, where God's love and his provision for mankind is described as as coming about through these masks. So he he provides bread for us to consume through the work of the baker and the per- person farming and harvesting the wheat. So to your point, Sonia, we can recognize that the food that's put on our table even if that food is produced and processed and ultimately sold by someone that doesn't have a relationship with Christ, we can still celebrate the work itself because it's how God is demonstrating his love for us and his provision for us. Yeah. No, I think it goes even beyond we can celebrate and recognize good work, but God can use these secular advancements or work by non-believers to advance the gospel. So let's think about 
what took place right before Jesus even came on the scene with the Roman Empire, which has been popular and I've just found out recently been popular in TikTok, this idea of the Roman Empire. You can educate us that on, on that in a minute, maybe, Sonia. But what happened was the Roman Empire took over, actually before that, the Greek Empire took over and established a common language. Then, and this is all before Christ comes on the scene, all before the cross, then the Roman Empire takes over and they establish peace across a huge territory of land. And then they begin the work of infrastructure and they wanted all roads to lead back to Rome. So they built this huge road network so that when Christ came, died on the cross, rose from the grave and ascended to heaven, gave the command to make disciples and advance the gospel, there was a common language. There was a peace within a common empire, and there was a road system by which these men could travel and tell the good news of Jesus. And so God, just in that entire narrative of, of when you're reading through the book of Acts, doesn't happen without the secular work of the conquering Roman Empire. And and, and he so he can use work. Just think about the technology we're using right now. I don't know who invented these things. Perhaps they were Christian, perhaps they weren't, but we're using it right now to advance the gospel. So we can celebrate and recognize good work, but it also can be used for kingdom purposes. Yeah, and I think uh, we have to even be aware of that, you know, that self-awareness of what is God doing right now? You know, just as you uh, mentioned about all the work uh, being done with language and road system, you know, that was in the silent period. We had not heard from God, and the people of God are wondering, God, where are you? What are you doing? And he is busy preparing a way for, in the fullness of time, for the gospel to go forth. And so when we have these new innovations, when we have social media, when we have technology, think about when we were in lockdown and COVID, and we couldn't gather and we still worshiped just the 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 magnitude of what god provided for us even before we needed it and so to think through these new innovations god what are you doing with this what do you how are you going to advance your kingdom your will your name with this new innovation what Sonia was referring to there in the silent period was the period between the book of Malachi, the last chronological uh, book in your Bible, and the gospel of Matthew. There was 400 years there of silence. And you said the people were wondering, what's God doing? God was on the move. And so just because we can't always uh, see what God is doing doesn't mean he isn't sovereign, he isn't in control, and he isn't advancing his kingdom. He is through any means he deems necessary primarily through the scriptures, through us, his ambassadors, uh, and through the Holy Spirit, drawing men and women to Jesus Christ. So let's go back to this idea of common grace for a second. We've established that you know work can be used for kingdom purposes and work can be celebrated as good as long as it's not opposing the biblical worldview. And so let's define this 
term of, of about common grace, well, one way is to describe it as the goodness of God to a sin-cursed world that does not include salvation. So just his general goodness to us, he sends the rain on the good and the evil. He, the sun continues to come up, the tides continue to work, there's air to breathe, and there's you know love to enjoy. And just because a man and woman are married and they don't believe in Jesus doesn't mean they can't stay married for 50 years. You know, there's a common goodness and a love and affections towards each other. But common grace is also, you know, uh, uh, like we said, with the, being the image bearers and, and people can do common good on earth. But common grace is different than salvific grace. So not only are we made in the image of man, uh, all of us, male and female, and we are all experiencing a level of common grace, we also all experience sin, right? The sin nature we've established. And so there's a difference between common grace and salvific grace. Salvific grace is the grace that you receive by faith in Jesus Christ, you know, grace saved by grace through faith, okay? And, and so that is a specific grace, a saving grace. And it, so it does differ from common grace. Yeah, I think that um, maybe sometimes as Christians, we even get confused by this common grace. We think that we can't celebrate uh, what different groups of people, the good that they have done for communities. I think the book mentions like the gay community and the Jewish community you know every if you're doing good work for people we can celebrate that we don't line up with your values and your belief system but because of God's common grace we can celebrate that but i think the problem is is that that also facilitates the world's view of oh i'm doing good work I am a good person, therefore, I'm going to heaven. That is what confuses, and maybe that's what uh, Satan uses uh, to deceive these groups of people that, gosh, but you're doing good work. Mm -hmm. We all love to identify the common good that we're doing. We don't love to identify the common depravity we have. And that's what Ephesians Mm -hmm. says, that we are dead in our sins and trespasses, but God. So we don't we don't want to identify ourselves as depraved, but we do love to celebrate the good we've done, and uh, and and again, it's okay to celebrate that. But there is a line in the sand when it comes to salvation and a right relationship with God. Yeah, and so as believers, we uh, you know if we're if we're wanting to remain true to the Christian story as Doctor Keller describes, um, you know we need to recognize like Sonny, you and Wes were just saying that we can celebrate the good work while also recognizing that, um, you know, from a, a salvation standpoint, we know that salvation is only through Jesus Christ. Um, and so we have to remember though, that, um, you know, the, the antagonist as, as Tim Keller says, the antagonist is not the non-Christians themselves, but the reality of sin. Mm. Um, so when we recognize this, um, you know, we recognize this as something that's not just a problem of theirs, like you were saying, Wes. Uh, the problem of common depravity lies within us as well as within them. So it really should humble us, um, you know, both as we look outward at others, at, at non-believers and the work that they're doing. It should also humble us as we look inwards and we recognize that we're, 
you know, working with uh, a redemptive end in mind, but we still ourselves are, um, you know, we still have to contend with the old man. We still have to contend with the sin that remains in us. Romans 3, 10 through 12. No, none is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. It's pretty straightforward right there. I don't God, know I think that that's you can a good working definition. With, oh. the, with the Word of God there, they, that says it best. Yeah. So there's a balance to common grace. Yes, we have dignity, worth, we're in His image, we can do good. But it's always under the lens of the gospel. We are also sinful creatures out of step in relationship with not just the creator, but his creation and each other. So we have to experience this saving grace in order to experience the fullness of Christ and the presence of God in our lives and have an eternal life in heaven. But again, the balance is we can recognize and celebrate goodness on display in earth, even if we don't line up completely biblically, we can recognize goodness on earth. And that's an important thing. That's an encouragement. That's an opportunity for us to be ambassadors for Christ when someone who does something fantastic and they're not believers, we can affirm them. We can celebrate that. We can even use that as a bridge to the gospel. When I think about my time in college, I had a group of friends some of us were more believers. We were, certainly weren't living that way. But I can think of two guys in particular uh, that I le- that are not believers, even still to this day, that I learned a ton about loyalty and fellowship and friendship and serving others and humility. And I just see common grace displayed in those two guys that I'm still friends with today, and I love them dearly. And it's something... Uh, that that's the reason why I love them is because they have this common grace on display within them. Now, they don't have that saving grace, but, uh, and we've had conversations and we're still having conversations, but I love them dearly because of, of how God has made them and they're made in their image. And they are using that common grace uh, as a great friend and to contribute to society. And I think that it's all about balance, right? I mean, we cannot withdraw from groups of people that we don't align with and totally negate what work that that they're doing and only celebrate and only do good work in our Christian circles. On the other hand, we don't need to have the appearance of condoning non-Christian groups. We're, we're not subscribing to their doctrine. We're coming alongside hoping that we can have these gospel conversations. You remember when Ernie preached just a few weeks ago about uh, the Jesus and the woman at the well? He said, I'm a J, you're an S. We're not supposed to you know, interact with each other, but here Jesus is interacting and crossing these boundaries, these borders, these cultural um, taboos in order to love and advance the gospel. So you're absolutely right. We cannot simply alienate people who do not 
you know, believe exactly the way we do. We need to we need to rub elbows with them and hopefully interject the gospel and bring sal. We can't we, we can't save them, but bring them the gospel message of saving grace into their lives. And if we can use common grace as a bridge to that, then praise the Lord. Yeah, and to your point, Sonia, about withdrawal and um, and self awareness, which we've talked a lot about in the past two episodes. Uh, we have to consider our witness to others. You know, when we, when we're engaging with people who are a part of a different cultural group, um, you know, we're, we actually have the potential to witness to them by crossing those, that line of difference, but thinking also personally in our own sanctification and our own growth and righteousness. Um, one of the dangers of actually withdrawing from uh, other cultural groups and, and kind of insulating ourselves as believers is, um, as Tim Keller puts it, uh, it, it increases the likelihood of slipping into other more quote unquote respectable idolatries. So we think that just because we're not engaging in the things that we see other groups engaging in that, that, you know, we're good, we're clean, we're, you know, abstaining from sin, but it could be that in, in the little echo chamber that we've created for ourselves, we're actually giving into other idols. We were giving into this belief that, uh, I mean, a lot of it boils down to just pride and self-righteousness that somehow it's our own works that justify us rather than the saving grace of God through Jesus Christ. So need to be aware of the personal danger too, that comes from actually disconnecting entirely from other, uh, groups of people. Um, it's a danger to our witness to do that. And it's also uh, a danger in many ways to our own souls because we can, we can deceive ourselves into thinking that somehow our righteousness comes from within us rather than Christ's righteousness imputed to us. So I think practically speaking, we need to ask ourselves, what does this look like in our lives as believers? That we just don't stay in our holy huddles uh, within ourselves, that that we are of we are in the world, that we are doing our business and our vacations and our music and eating out. We are, we are participating in the beauty of God's common grace that we're all getting to experience. And we're not being our self-righteous, like I said, holy huddles and that we cannot experience that or enjoy that. We are in the world, but not of the world. Yeah. Basically what you're saying is we cannot adopt the mentality that it's us and them and, and and they are against us and we are against them it's like you said earlier the antagonist and he says in the book is not them it's sin and so in order to help people have a relationship with Jesus Christ we have to tr- develop a relationship with them you know it's really simple and so yes when we are when we get into that false thinking of of us against them, and we have to protect ourselves, and we have to stay in this, you know, holy huddle, which is good for us. It is good for us. That's that's why we come together on a Sunday morning to worship. Mm-hmm. That's why we have our small groups and our Sunday school classes and these podcasts and various things to equip us for the work. But the the, yeah. the work of the ministry is out there in the field, in the harvest field. That's why this church is called Harvest again. And, and so we have to be willing to celebrate and engage with people who are not operating from a biblical worldview, who are not in a saving relationship with Jesus Christ, honor the work they're doing, honor the goodness that is in them, have fun, go on adventures, 
do various things with the hope that we establish relationships and we can share the love of Christ with them uh, and and tell them, hey, you know, one of the things I really appreciate about you, you are so quick to forgive. Like you don't hold grudges. You forgive. That's, that's what, something I love about our friendship together. You know, it reminds me of my favorite friend, Jesus, and the forgiveness that he has in my sin. I was, boom, there you go. You're in a gospel conversation right there when you establish uh, you know, friendships with people and you see goodness with them, affirm it, bridge to the gospel. Yeah, you never know where these uh, conversations are going to go. You know, they're going to remember certain things that we said, and then when life throws a curveball at them and they go, you know, I think I'm going to pick up the phone and call Wes and say, because he just said something one time that really spoke to me. I, I'm going to. I'm going to go to him with this problem that I have. I don't that, think anyone has ever said, I said something that spoke to them. So this you should have chose <laughs> Noah there. I, I literally texted you that this past week. I told you that something you said really spoke to me. Uh, so I must have ignored it. Not to inflate. Yeah, well, under, understandable. <laughs> understandable. Not to inflate your ego. Yeah, you're yeah. right. You're right, though. When we are, uh, when we carry the wisdom of God with us into these relationships, not in a preaching, beat it right. over your head way, uh-huh. but in a loving relational way, people often return uh, to a well that's providing, you know, the living water to go kind of go back to what you know, Ernie preached on there. Right. Our our conversations don't have to be. Uh, we don't even have to speak the word God. We don't even have to say anything about our religion, right? I mean, think about the book of Esther. All the work that was going on and God was never spoken about. Uh, I don't, God wasn't even mentioned in the book of Esther, but it's the backdrop. And that when we are integrating our faith into our workplaces, our social places, our personal spaces, we are integrating our faith into these scenarios and hoping that it will produce that gospel-centered conversation eventually. The word that you just used, Sonia, um, integrate, that may be kind of a good place for us to land uh, this episode. Um, the final section of the chapter is uh, talks about this tension between what uh, Dr. Keller refers to as dualism and integration. And those are kind of fancy sounding words, but the the basic idea we've been striking at it all episode and pretty much the whole season at this point um, that when we try to separate, you know, in earlier episodes, we refer to it as the secular and the sacred. When we try to, you know, make our uh, work or any other aspect of our life as something that's distinct from or independent from, the gospel and a, and a biblical worldview, um, then that, that leads us astray. Uh, this is, this dualism leads us astray, uh, to draw such a, a kind of stark line in the sand between, um, you know, what we consider to be quote unquote Christian work and quote unquote secular work. Um, and really what we want to go for is this idea of integration, putting everything in our life, and this includes our work, but everything in our life under the lordship of Christ, recognizing that uh, Asanya was uh, kind of hinting at a second ago that you know just by the uh, the way we conduct ourselves and the quality of the work we do, that that's going to speak volumes to people around us who may not have a relationship with the Lord, 
And eventually the goal is as they observe that difference in us, it will lead to those gospel conversations. And, and it gives us an opportunity to really press this point that, you know, if, if we're following Christ faithfully, then everything we do in our life, it doesn't matter if it's Sunday or Monday through Saturday, everything falls under the Lordship of Christ and and everything in our life we filter through the gospel. Um, So I just, I love the way he concluded that this chapter uh, by talking about the importance of integration, making sure that we're not, um, you know, creating a, a false separation. Which really speaks to the verse that we started with Ecclesiastes 9, 10, whatever you do, do well. I think that is very well said by both of you. And I can't think of a better way to close this episode down. So that was delightful wisdom from both of you. Only one thing left to do, and that's our takeaways. Mine, I think, is to shut up and let y'all talk more after that. So, and uh, try to try to just back off of this thing. No, I honestly, a great takeaway for me is I have to do a better job of especially my kids go to public school in the Carville public school system. That's intentional for us. You know, I'm, I'm thankful for whatever system you have with your children. They're all good in, the, in terms of their schooling, but uh, is to continue to integrate with her friends and their families and continue to build relationships and celebrate who they are and, and what they're you know doing uh, as it coincides with this common grace and just continue to be relational here in my community where I am um, and not just be in my Christian bubble. Hmm. Well, my biggest takeaway is um, integration. The gospel is more caught than taught, which explains this verse again. Do it well. People are watching. That is how we can communicate the gospel to a lost world, just by doing what we do well. Yeah, I think I copied Sonia last time, too. So Please gonna, don't uh, copy me again. <laughs> Feel free I mean, to express yourself, Noah. Thank you. Thank you very in much. In your own uniqueness. I appreciate that. Well, I'm gonna. in that case, I'm going to talk about integration. <laughs> totally new. I know Sonny said nothing about that. Um, no, but I, I mean, that was my chief takeaway as well. I, I love this idea of integration. Um, it kind of, it, it helps us get to a point as believers where we no longer, um, you know, have to ask ourselves whether our faith applies to a certain situation. The answer is always yes. Mm. Our faith is going to apply to every situation, every decision, um, every relationship. And so if, if we, uh, understand that, you know, we're not operating in some dualistic reality where there are some things that fall under God's control and there are other things that fall under our control. Every bit of it is under the sovereignty of God. And with that, you know, if, if we want to know how to honor the one who is in control, of, uh, in control of it all, who's Lord overall, then what a great uh, charge to takes us back to the very beginning of the podcast or was it last episode about um, how we must know the word of God if we want to apply it faithfully in every area of our lives. Amen. We're under the sovereignty of God, the Lordship of Christ and in the power of the Holy Spirit. And if we operate our lives daily with that mentality, placing us, surrendering to Christ, surrendering all of our endeavors, every good endeavor to him under his Lordship, 
Nice plug. Then we can, nice play, play on words. Thank you, Timothy Keller. Then we can, you know, advance the gospel, operate under this biblical worldview, and have a new conception for our work. So that'll wrap us up for this episode. Next two episodes, special guests coming up. So stay tuned. Can't wait to have them in here and hear from people in within our family, within the Harvest family, who are out there on the highways and byways doing good work and operating from a biblical worldview. So we'll see you next episode as we talk about chapter 11, a new compass for work. Don't forget, send in your questions if you have any. We're not receiving many, so it's on you. Otherwise, we're just going to have a final episode about 90s music. So join us next time. Send your questions Send your questions. Please. (laughs)